Hi, welcome to the 13th Warehouse, Friday the 13th TV series edition. I'm Vicki. And I'm Kim. And these are the episode credits for Friday the 13th, the series, season two, episode 18, A Friend to the End. Series created by Frank Mancuso Jr. and Larry B. Williams. Teleplay by Scott Schneed and Tony Mitchellman. Story by Scott Schneed, Tony Mitchellman, and David Morse. Directed by David Morse. Original air date, April 17th, 1989. So we are back with season two, episode 18, A Friend to the End. You all will totally have to bear with me with these notes. The story was all over the place. And all of the parts of the story didn't seem to have anything to do with each other. So my notes are a little... I don't know. Yeah, I don't even know how to explain it. (laughs) My notes are probably going to be a little disconnected. That's right. We'll muddle through. So we're in a cemetery and Howard and his wife are breaking into the crypt of Richard Radwell, who, from the dates on the grave, was 11 years old when he died in 1891. They take the body telling him, the body, that they're taking him home. Just as they bring the body to their house and put it in a room in something that looks like a coffin. At this point, I didn't know if that was a bed. I I couldn't tell what it was at this point. I didn't either. Yeah. So a girl comes to the house applying for a nanny position, or she was hired as a nanny. Um, The wife makes it clear to her husband that the girl is new to the country with no friends. It was kind of perfectly clear that what she was really saying is no one will miss her Mm -hmm. or be looking for her if anything were to happen. So they bring her into Ricky's room and close her in. Ricky jumps out of the coffin. We hear screaming, and he comes out of the room as a live person. So Howard and Marjorie seem like proud parents. He's all theirs. Ah! Then we move to a different house where a girl is posing for a sketch. She's complaining about whatever she's holding being heavy. But Mm -hmm. this creepy artist doesn't care and just says that the shard of Medusa is her inspiration. The model holds the pose like she's being tortured. Yeah. Or it was like she's being held at gunpoint. I mean, at some point you could see that she couldn't let it go, but I think at that point she could have. I'm thinking of saying that she could have got up. Yeah, I don't know what that was. It was like she was being tortured. I was like, what is happening? Drop it. Right, I would have just put it down and just got up and shaked it off and then went back to pose. Right, yeah, it was like this woman said, don't let go, and she just thought, I don't know, it was just, it was a little over the top. Like I said, I didn't know why she didn't just put her arm down. But then she says she can't breathe or move. So, I mean, at the point where she says it's heavy, it looks like she could have just dropped it. But later... Apparently, she couldn't anymore because she couldn't breathe or move. So I assume that the more the creepy lady sketched, the more something was happening to the model. And then she starts screaming. So Ryan drives up and is trying to get into the house. I don't think he's trying to get in because he hears screams. I'm not even sure he heard them, but I think he's already on a mission that we haven't heard about yet. Yeah. (laughs) So when she's done sketching, she stabs the model, the girl with the shard, and the model turns to stone as Ryan's still trying to get inside. So the artist leaves and Ryan makes it to the roof or somewhere where he can see through a window that must be in the ceiling, maybe a sunroof or something. (laughs) And he sees that the model's turned to stone. Back at the store, Ryan tells Mickey what happened the night before. He was sure that the statue was the model that he had heard make an appointment with DeJager. DeJager. Why can't they have normal names in this? <laughs> what what kind of name is that? <laughs> so, guaranteed, I'm going to say it 18 different ways during this episode. That's okay. Okay, so he had heard this model making an appointment with the Jagger, the artist, sometime earlier. He tells Mickey that the Jagger only paints women. So Mickey tells Ryan that it's her turn. So on the way out, Mickey and Ryan find JB outside the store. 
Apparently, JB is Mickey's nephew. Her sister dumps him off with them, like just drops him outside the store and takes off before they know he's been left there. Seems like this has been happening frequently. Mm-hmm. Ryan and Mickey argue. He's not happy about the kid being there, and the kid knows it. Mickey takes out a bike and sends him to the park. You know, the mother drops him off outside. Like, doesn't even wait to see that he gets in the store. Doesn't mm-hmm. even wait to see if there's anybody even there. They could be on vacation for all she knows. And she's right. leaving this kid by himself. And then they get him and Mickey sends him away. I mean, I understand they had stuff to do, but go to the park all day. If you get hungry, come back. Yeah, yeah and I couldn't understand it either because... Why would you give a kid the keys? I probably have 800 clips of you saying the same thing. Why would you leave a kid there? Why would you give a kid the key? Why would you leave a kid alone there with all that stuff? I know. I know. It doesn't make any sense. But anyway. No, it doesn't. So, like we said, Mickey takes out a bike that I guess Ryan and Jack have been working on. This is the second episode in a row we haven't seen Jack. And usually when he's not in an episode, they say where he is. Right. And I don't think they said last week. And I don't believe they said this week. No. So they give him the bike that Ryan and Jack have been working on while they go where they need to go to find the Jager. They also give him a key to the store in case he gets hungry, which, like you said, is probably a mistake. Mm-hmm. And even if nothing happens in this episode, we discussed before how it's always a mistake to leave kids in the store. Yes. Yeah. So Ryan mentions that he wishes JB wouldn't make up stories like the one he told about his mother buying him a brand new bike. Why is Ryan... Ugh, n- never mind. <laughs> Oh, my God. At the park, JB stops to watch a group of boys doing tricks on their bike. One, then two more approach JB in a not-so-nice manner as if they're up to something. Then we hear someone breathing heavily, and we can see somebody watching from a window somewhere above these boys. So right here, I was thinking, if this Ricky kid has to keep killing kids to stay alive, I'm going to be angry because same story over and over again. Right. It turned out it was sort of, but not the way I expected. Mm -hmm. Before they make it over to JB, the scene changes, and we're in an art gallery with Mickey and Ryan. Mickey's not impressed with the work, and Ryan says that she, the Jager, never sold anything until she got the shard. Apparently the shard is really her artwork, like the wax museum. She's turning models into her sculptures, so she's really not doing anything any kind of artwork except the sketches. But this episode is different from most. They already know what they're looking for and who has it. Kind of like The Eye of Death, which was the only other episode that I could think of that they knew what they were looking for right, and who yeah. had it. So Mickey introduces herself to Jager, and then we're right back with the boys talking JB into doing some kind of trick with his bike as a test to get into their gang. The next test is to see how much guts he has, and they all look over at the house. So at the gallery... Mickey takes DeJager's phone number so they can talk more about Mickey modeling for her. Back on the street, the kids tell JB the people who lived in the house were murdered. There was blood everywhere, but they never found the bodies. Ricky and his parents just disappeared. They tell JB about all of the people who went into the house but never came back. They dare him to go in and take a toy from Ricky's room. So JB goes into the house and goes up the stairs. He goes into Ricky's room and sees the top spinning on the floor. So, of course, he sits down to examine it instead of just taking it and leaving. So someone says, will you be my friend? And JB runs outside to find the boys are gone, and so is the bike. After he's out, JB sees someone in one of the windows and runs away. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Space, the final frontier, or is it? Discover the podcast of a couple of moms who love Star Trek and happen to have kids on the autism spectrum. 
Join Vicki and Elizabeth as we explore strange new worlds, the Star Trek Discovery series, autism, and whatever else comes to mind. We're Moms Going Boldly, and you can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Player FM. Hey, Dud Gramley here from Yeah, That Can't Be Good. Please join Kim, Vicky, Skip, and myself over at Yeah, That Can't Be Good for an episode-by-episode podcast of all things Eureka. You can listen at EurekaRewatch.com on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. So the boys said earlier that they were going to sell the bike, so I imagined that they'd end up bringing it to the store to sell. I figured they were going to try and get rid of it at the antique store. Yeah, no. Yeah, no, that's not what happened. So because Ryan made a thing about mentioning him telling stories earlier, I'm guessing that Mickey and Ryan aren't going to believe his story. All right, yeah. So at the store, Mickey and Ryan talk about Mickey's safety while she's modeling for DeJager. JB comes in and tells the story. He's actually pretty excited about seeing Ricky the ghost, but Ryan is being a jerk. He's got to stop telling these stories, and you've got to get him out of here. And I understand that it's not the best place for him, but the way Ryan says things, you've got to get him out of here. Like he's some kind of criminal or something. Right, like he's done something wrong, right. and he hasn't. Just got a, a mother that's not tempted to him. Right. But there's no reason to get rid of him if he's not doing anything. Right. It was so, you know, yeah. It was so Ryan. Yeah, it's just, he's being ridiculous. Mickey goes to talk to JB and tells him that she and Ryan need to go out for a while. So they're leaving him there alone again. JB plays with the top that he took from Ricky's room. And then in the next scene, he's in front of Ricky's house. And at first, I thought this was going to be some kind of dream. He just went from playing with the top to he was outside the house. Right. I thought maybe the top made him fall asleep or dream or something. They didn't show him thinking about going to the house. They didn't show anything. He was just there. Right. Yeah, no, they did. So JB goes into the house. There's candles lit, so that would have been my cue to leave. But he calls out for Ricky and goes up the stairs. Ricky comes out and asks JB to play. He says his parents won't bother them. So JB and Ricky play games, and JB tells him that he ran away earlier because he thought Ricky was a ghost. Oh, okay. So Ricky stops JB from going after a ball that rolled under a door. Ricky tells him that he can't go in there and grabs his hand, which scares JB a little, but he gets over it quickly when Ricky smiles and says he has another ball. So on his way to get to the ball, he begins to hear a horse and a carriage and someone yelling, calling him names and hitting him, which JB says he doesn't hear. JB tries to comfort the now crying Ricky. Meanwhile, Mickey keeps her modeling appointment with DeJager. So as Mickey starts to take her clothes off for the sketch, DeJager takes out the shard and tells Mickey that the shard is her inspiration. So Mickey asks to open a window for some air while DeJager tells her the story of Medusa. And we all know the story of Medusa. You know the story of Medusa, right? Oh, yeah, because yeah. I was just watching uh, Clash of the Titans. Oh, God, I love that movie. Uh, the old one? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was going to say, I think there's a new one, but I don't. I didn't, never saw it. The old one, I, yeah. It's not that great. Yeah, I love the old one, yeah. <laughs> I forgot all about that. I'm going to have to look for it now. So the Jagger hands Mickey the shard to pose with. This is my inspiration, the shard of Medusa. Do you know the legend of Medusa? No. Medusa was a gorgon. All who looked on her were turned to stone. She was slain by Perseus, who reflected her own face to wearing his shield, turning her into a statue too. This is a piece of that statue. And this is the last time you're ever going to use it. And Mickey first has to make an announcement that she'll never see it again. 
totally unnecessary. Why do they always have to give the bad guys a heads up about what they're going to do before they do it? Just throw it out the window. You don't have to say, and now you'll never see this again. (laughs) (laughs) So she throws it out the window to Ryan, and she's able to get out of the apartment and escape. Back at Ricky's, JB is asking Ricky if he's sick, and Ricky says he assumes that he must be. JB talks a little bit about his mother dumping him on people, and he thinks that she blames him for his father leaving. Ricky tells JB that his father hated him and used to beat him, but he didn't know the reason. Ricky wants JB to stay with him and tells him that his parents are dead. His nose begins to bleed. He asks JB to send someone over from the drugstore. So JB leaves and says he'll see him tomorrow, and I guess he's going to stop at the drugstore on his way home, or on his way back to Mickey and Ryan's. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Ricky's nose is bleeding more, and there's a gash on his forehead. When he first started hearing the yelling, it seemed like he didn't know what was happening because he asked JB if he could hear the noise. So I thought he didn't know. I thought this was like the first time it happened to him. But now it kind of seems like he might because he asked for JB to send somebody. Right, yeah. So when he starts hearing the yelling again, and we see a flashback of the beat that gave him the gash on his head, which I guess his father actually killed him, we learn later. I thought we were just seeing flashbacks of beatings, but his father actually is the one who killed him. Yeah. So the delivery man comes and goes inside the house and upstairs when he hears Ricky crying. Ricky, who now looks like a rotting corpse, jumps up, hits the guy, and he's imitating his father, saying, take what's coming to you, and pushes him off the landing. He drags him away into another room. When Mickey and Ryan get back to the store, JB is there, but so is DeJager, because Mickey left her jacket there and it must have had the address of the store in it. Mm-hmm. She threatens JB's life and tells Mickey to hand JB the shard. She leaves with the shard, and Ryan yells at JB for letting her in. You know, they're asking this little kid to be really responsible. Right. Ryan yells some more about JB getting in the way. He is awful. Yeah, he is. He is awful. And I have some thoughts about why they seem to be making Ryan so unlikable lately. You know, turning him into a stalker and being nasty to old ladies and now kids. We'll have to talk about that in another episode because spoilers. JB tries to tell them about Ricky being sick and having no parents. But Ryan continues to be a jerk and JB yells that they don't care about him and don't want him there. Mm. Ryan apologizes to Mickey instead of JB and goes off to find the Jagger. Mickey's kind of like, oh, it's okay. I'm kind of not any better. And it's not okay. Right. Like we said, Ryan goes off to find a Jagger and Mickey's going to stay with JB. In the morning, JB wants to leave and go to go to Ricky's. Mickey talks him into some breakfast and tries to talk to him about Ricky. He tells her that the boys who took the bike told JB that Ricky died when his parents were murdered. And that's why he thought he was a ghost. Mickey doesn't want JB to go over there since they don't know anything about Ricky. So she turns her back and continues talking. And we know when she turns around, JB's going to be gone. That was too obvious. Yeah. I was like, really? Yeah, it's kind of like Pete and Micah turning their back on every criminal they come across. Right. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Didn't see that coming. I know. (laughs) So, Ricky is just finishing cleaning up the blood when JB shows up. They go to play, and JB tells them that he decided he does want to stay with him. Back at the store, Mickey's doing some research and finds an article about walls covered in blood... And the occupants of the house, a couple and their 12-year-old son, Richard, missing. He's reported the walls and floor covered with blood. There is no trace of the occupants. Missing are Howard and Marjorie Harper, 12-year-old son, Richard. She recognizes the last name Harper and finds a letter they wrote to Uncle Lewis asking for his help. So apparently Uncle Lewis had something to do with them bringing Ricky to life. But they say that the hunger comes upon him more frequently than it did at first, and they have to feed him daily. But we need your help. 
you've blessed Howard and I with a beautiful child, Ricky. First he was happy with us, but I fear something has gone wrong. The hunger comes upon him more often than it did at first. We have to feed him almost daily. So, like we guessed, they had to keep killing people to keep him alive Mm -hmm. until, obviously, he killed them. So we see a flashback of Marjorie falling off the landing and Howard, who was trying to help her, going off right after her and Mickey standing there looking down and and Ricky standing there looking down at them. And then we're back to see JB and Ricky playing and running around with a football. And at this point, there was only probably six to eight minutes left in the episode and I was no clearer at what was going on than I was earlier. I mean, I knew what was going on in each storyline, but I didn't know how they connected. Or if they did connect to each other at all. Because we haven't seen that yet. Um, I didn't think they connected. They didn't. But we haven't seen an episode where they had two totally different stories. Like in Warehouse, they had the A plot and the B plot. Right, You know, Mickey and uh, Micah and Pete worked on one plot and Claudia and Steve on another plot. Or sometimes Claudia and Artie, whoever happened to be there. But in this episode, they have an A plot and a B plot that they're both working on. And I don't recall seeing two different stories going on in one episode unless they connected somehow. Right, yeah, just one they didn't connect. Yeah. To me, it was like they just dropped the ball at once. Yeah, that was the thing. I wonder if they're just trying to change up the format and have an A plot and a B plot, maybe. Maybe, because that's what I was thinking if Jack was there, because then you have two going on at the same time, where the scene that had, you know, when she came and walked out the door, that was it. If Jack was there, maybe Jack would have went after her, and they could have went to the, you know, to the house. Right. That's that's what I'm thinking. If if he was there, then it would have been two, but they had to drop something because they right. couldn't do both. Right. And maybe it was just me, but I think they set it up this way, so we somehow are going to think that these two are going to connect in some way. Until they didn't. Until we know she, they let her get away. You know, they could have gone to the airport to get her, but they didn't because they had to save JB. You right. Know? So as JB and Ricky are running around the house chasing each other, Ricky starts to have another attack. JB tells him he's the only friend he's ever had and he'll do anything to help him. And Ricky has a big gash again on his face and asks JB to bring someone, anyone to the house, but he can't tell anyone. JB runs and gets a cop and he tells him that his friend is hurt and there's nobody at home to help. Now, I really thought he was going to run and get Mickey. Oh! That's what I thought he was going to do because he didn't know he was going to kill people. He he wanted to get his friend help. And I thought he was going to run and get Mickey. But he ran into this cop. So the cop goes to the house and upstairs to help. He tells JB to stay downstairs, but he doesn't, of course. But Ricky doesn't pop up. And is it because he didn't open the coffin? And why didn't he open the coffin? He was going to open the coffin, and then he didn't. So when the cop doesn't find Ricky, he comes out of the room to yell at JB, thinking that this was some sort of joke. But Ricky comes from behind and begins beating the officer. Meanwhile, Ryan calls Mickey to report that the Jagger, like we said, is on her way to Europe, but they can still catch her in the airport. But Mickey mm-hmm. tells Ryan that JB's in trouble, so they're just going to let her go. About two years ago, an old couple contacted Lewis. They desperately wanted a child. Lewis found the way to get one. One of the objects? A child's coffin. I found it in the manifest. What's this got to do with JB? They were Satanists, Ryan. When the body of a dead child is put in the coffin, it becomes a living child. Where's JB? He's playing with them right now at 456 North Chester. I'll be right there. She tells him the story of the missing family and about the coffin in the manifest. So when a dead child is put in the coffin, it becomes a living child. 
Ryan says he'll meet Mickey at the house. And then, do we ever even see Ryan getting to the house? No. Because Mickey gets there, but I don't know if we ever see Ryan until we're back at the store later. Yeah, you're yeah. right. So, um, JB begs Ricky not to kill the officer, but Ricky says he needs to to stay alive. And Ricky tries to use the friends to the end card, but JB won't listen. JB tries to get out of the house, but Ricky stops him. JB punches him and runs to another part of the house, but stops to tell him that he'll be grown up someday, and when that day comes, will Ricky kill him? I didn't even think of that. Yeah, that was good, though. Yeah. That was good that he said it. I thought about it, and I said, well, that's kind of grown up of him. Yeah, so JB runs to the basement, but the stairs cave in, and he's buried under debris and surrounded by dead bodies. So Mickey gets to the house before Ricky kills JB. At least that's what it looked like he was going to do. Um, So she goes to the basement, but JB tells her not to come down or Ricky will kill her, but she won't leave without him. Ricky jumps out and starts swinging a pipe or something. I think it was the railing to the stairway. I don't even know what it was. Yeah. But he stops to listen to JB pleading with him not to hurt her. Ricky says that she doesn't care about JB. No one does. But JB tells him that friends don't hurt each other, which makes Ricky stop. Mickey comes to and Ricky throws the pipe or whatever it was he was carrying down and Ricky goes over to JB like he's going to help him, I guess. Mm-hmm. And he turns into a skeleton and is dead. So the next day at the store, JB's on crutches. Ryan tells him that the cop is going to be okay. JB says it'll be hard not telling anybody about Ricky. It seems like they told him the whole story. Mm-hmm. And Ryan invites him to come back and visit again. And he apologizes to him because the police found the kids that took the bite. And Ryan is having it delivered to JB's house. But he doesn't apologize for being a jerk. He just apologizes for not believing him about the bike. Right. Which kind of bothers me still. So we have two cursed antiques in this episode. A stone fragment called the Shard of Medusa that turns people into stone, which was not recovered. And a child's Mm -hmm. coffin that resurrects a dead child, but the child must kill to stay alive. And then repeat actors were Kirim... Maliki Sanchez, who plays Ricky in this episode, played Peter Marshak in Bottle of Dreams, Jack's son. Oh, okay, yeah. And Susan Kyle, who is credited as model, I think that's the first one who died. Okay, yeah. In this episode, played Louise in Master of Disguise, and I don't remember who Louise was. Do you? Mm-mm. No. So, I like the twist having the two antiques. That was different. What did you think of this one? It was okay. We know Ryan's business has been getting out of my nerves lately, but... Well, I have thoughts about that, but I don't want to talk about it now, because... Uh, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I yeah. Know, but yeah, um, it's just working my nerves, but um, I don't know, there's still something, because it's like, why did... Okay, Ricky's the one that was dead. Right. Okay, why did the parents have to get people to come over to kill? And who keeps on fixing this balancer? <laughs> So many people fell off of that baluster. Well, I think the parents were getting people to come over. <laughs> I know. Okay, so the parents were getting people to come over. Right. Because then they wanted, dead. They wanted to be a happy family. And then at some point, I guess they couldn't get somebody. And they were waiting for Uncle Louis to help them because it was getting to the point where they have they had to kill somebody every day. I guess it didn't start right. out that they had to kill somebody every day. And so it just got to the point where he killed them. Because there was nobody else to kill. Right, so if there's nobody else to kill, how do you get people in the house? Well, when the kids were telling him the story about the house, they were listing all kinds of people that went in there and never came out. Oh, yeah, so, that's right. People who, like, uh, ghost speakers and people who want to just destroy buildings because 
don't want to just destroy stuff. Yeah. There must have been some way he was getting people to come into the house. How, I don't know. I mean, like the, like I said, the kids had a list, but I mean, I don't know how long it's been since he killed his parents or how long he's been alone there. But I never thought about the banister. That's... <laughs> Because I'm like, they, they died, and I'm going, how many people have been over this downstairs? I'm looking at it going, and it's repaired. <laughs> Everybody's falling off this thing. That's right. <laughs> no, it wasn't, no, it wasn't bad at all. It wasn't, it wasn't too bad. Yeah, I liked it. The only thing I didn't like was that we never saw Mickey's sister, and I wanted somebody to tell her off. Right, yeah, no, we never see her. Yeah, I wanted somebody to tell her off and put her in her place or somehow make her realize that she's not being a mother. Right, because even he set up a hotel, so how would you send a bike over to the house when he even said he stayed in motel rooms by himself? I thought when he said that, I thought she put him in a motel. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it seemed like she may have, yeah, she, maybe she did put him in a hotel while she was running around. Right. But still, were they in the same place? Why you at a motel? It's a, she ought to be the one in the motel, not the kid. The kid stays home where they can watch TV and stuff like that, and then you go off and do what you had to do. Don't put the kid in the hotel. Yeah, yeah, I didn't think about that, yeah. That's the way I took it, but yeah, that kind of doesn't make sense. Right. Now that you're and saying it, that. It's not like there's, there's homeless people that don't live in a hotel. It's just that that was just kind of weird. Where, where's your house at? Yeah, I, I don't know. That was, was kind of like, huh? Yeah, I didn't think of that. I thought it didn't occur to me until you just said that. Because when he said that, I just figured they were staying in a hotel for some reason. We don't know why. And she took off. She's not taking care of business. So a lot of times people do that, too. They run to stay in hotel rooms so the you know, child protective services don't take their kids. And maybe that's what it was. I wanted to see her. I wanted people to tell her off. I wanted her to, like, realize that she's doing something wrong. <gasps> right. Mm-hmm. You know, because you don't just drop a kid off on the sidewalk not knowing that he can even get in the place where he's supposed to be. You know, you don't. Right. That's crazy. You know, what if nobody's there and you're gone? They could have been away looking for an artifact, you know. Right. And so now he's trapped outside. Where does he go? Right. Mm-hmm. And she's already gone. So mm-hmm. I did like the twist that they there was two plots going on because it had me confused the whole entire time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it was yeah. different. It was a different format. I'm wondering if we're going to go to two, like I said, I don't remember, um, if we're going to go to two artifacts. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was all right. It had my interest. Yeah. All right. So we'll be back next week with episode 19. I'll see you next week. All right. Bye. All right. Bye. This is Doug reminding you to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash 13th Warehouse, on Twitter at Eureka Warehouse, and on Instagram at Eureka underscore Warehouse. You can listen to the 13th Warehouse on our website, the13thwarehouse.com on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Theme music for the 13th Warehouse, Friday the 13th, the series edition, Suspense Night, provided by Anton Kornienko, Pixabay user 147-98912, free for personal or commercial use. See you next time at the warehouse.